Welcome to Agents of Travel, the podcast where I, Garrett Palm, aka a Secret Agent Sticky Toffee Pudding, and I, Rachel Van S, aka Agent Panakukin. Uh, our names are, are uh, desserts from other countries that we both love. Uh, I love sticky toffee pudding. It's my favorite dessert of Do all time. Do all secret agents explain their names, their code names? I mean, I'm sh- I like haven't 007 seen. Like seven. I know like. I haven't seen all of the James Bond films, but I bet in one of them he's like <laughs> he's because good. I came after 006. Well, 001 died. Yeah, and then 002. In a propeller. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure in one of those movies, he explains how all the other 00s died, leading to 007. Yeah. And Rachel's Dutch, so she chose Dutch for pancake. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. So we, as very high-level operating secret agents, work for a shadowing of the Office of Tourism, and it is our mission to find unsuspecting civilians to plan dream trips for. Uh. And in order to plan that dream trip for them, we first have to interrogate them ever using whatever means possible. We slap them with pamphlets. Yes. We force feed them delicious cuisines. We pour water on their face to keep them hydrated. And it's salt water Mostly from the mouth. Adriatic Ocean. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> the Adriatic Ocean. Uh, it's a sea. The sea. Uh, <laughs> uh, but... This week, who do we have? We have a good friend of ours. Jake Jabor. Jake Jabor. He is an author of Training to Be Myself. Yes, he's an incredible writer. He's an incredible improviser, teacher, thinker. He, he, he is a, such a great improv teacher that he has his own improv school now called We Improv. Yeah, and he's fostered a lovely little... I shouldn't say little, a lovely, like, substantial community. It was little at one point, and now it's he's gotten it to be really big. It's a really great community. Yeah, definitely yeah. check it out if you're in L.A. But we're so excited to talk to Jake. Because he is not just all of these things. He's also done a lot more traveling than I ever expected. I'm going to be honest. I thought Jake was the kind of guy who, like, <laughs> considered laying out at a pool in Vegas traveling, which is traveling, but it's I traveling. thought that was going to be his travel MO, and boy, was I wrong. Yes. Yes, you were, Jake. If you're listening to I'm this... I'm sorry. <laughs> we're sorry. Um, uh, yeah, but then you're on uh, Herald Night together. Yeah, Jake and I are on a uh, Herald team called Bitchin', so check us out on UCB. Jake one of, is... One of my favorite teams of all time. And... A large reason of that is because of Jake. He's a very also Rachel lovely improviser and a good person that you should chat up. Yeah. So uh, if you see him, chat him up. I'm sure he'd love that. <laughs> yeah, he's a sociable guy. He's a sociable guy, uh, and uh, he's a foodie. What more? I think that's it. Shall we get on with the interview? Yeah, let's crack into it. Let's crack into it. <laughs> I'm excited to listen to the book because I still haven't received I, a hard copy. Oh my in. god, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Really? No, it's not your fault at all. I'm also wondering if I even chose. I think I chose that option. I have the ebook. I could just. Read I the can. E-book. I'll, I can double check too. It almost feels so, though like when we finally do get it, it's like when you uh, have your birthday and then someday 
gives you like a belated happy birthday card like a month later and you're like, oh, this is nice. I thought the celebration was over. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Exactly. We're here for okay, it. Okay, good. Me too then. <laughs> so Jake, um, I want to apologize real quick. Rachel and I have not been honest. Oh, okay. Uh, Jake sounds us. so happy about that. <laughs> I uh, you may know us as Rachel and Garrett. Mm-hmm. Just two comedians out in the world, but we are actually secret agents for the National Travel and Tourism Office of America. Okay. I didn't know they needed a secret department. Yeah, they do. They have a secret department because we operate in the area of dream vacations. And when you're working with dreams, it's a big secret, baby, because otherwise everybody's like going to be knocking down our door, Mm -hmm. trying to get in. And we're organizing, we've been tasked with the special mission of organizing your dream vacation. Wow. So congratulations. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I can't believe I got selected. Yeah. You, yeah. I mean, it was a, a rigorous selection process. Wow. Mm-hmm. And uh, your name was like... Uh, wow. Yeah. I find that surprising. We don't have the funds. Oh, okay. You. Why do you find that surprising? I don't know. I don't... I guess I don't know what the... You don't win anything? That's also true. I mean, okay, to be honest, it was alphabetical, and we don't have any from any any above Really? Okay, I'll take Mm -hmm. it. (laughs) Great. Well, before we can figure out your dream trip, we need to ask you a series of questions. Okay. Um, And then we'll tabulate at the end, and Mm -hmm. Garrett and I are competing for a promotion. So you'll pick whose dream trip you want. This is a secret um, organization with no funding, and you're and they can make you compete against each other. The organization itself, the National Travel and Tourism uh-huh. Office, we are a shadow wing okay. of that, and we're trying to prove our merit by doing this. They said we have to earn our salaries, so we've exactly. been working for them for ten years, and we haven't gotten any money yet. But Nothing. it's just around. Wow, the corner. this sounds like a uh, Harold night. yeah yeah i i've got to admit while i was going undercover i got very into that mlm as well okay Okay. yeah makes sense honestly like a lot of people have said about you know the shadowing that it's really just about the connections you make but i'm pretty sure that like once i get high enough i'll actually like get a career out of this so so i don't feel bad at all okay good I got I got to once you know help out uh, Phil Rosenthal from Everybody Feed Phil. On wow, that's show, pretty nice uh, for free oh, for good. free. But you know it's a FaceTime. It's about FaceTime. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Well, I'm rooting for <laughs> so. both of you, which sounds I guess is impossible, but I am. Well, you've got Thank to pick you. one by the end. Okay. But for now, we'll yeah. take it. <laughs> okay. Uh, are you ready for your first yes. question, Jake? Jake, what is your travel style? My travel style, I. I I suppose it would be last minute by most people's assessment. It's usually the night before. Great. It I I mean I plan the trip earlier, but packing and things like that I do yes. the night before. Okay, so it's not like you ever get hit with a fit of whimsy and you like book a flight the night before and just hop town. <laughs> oh goodness, no! That would <laughs> that would that would defeat the but, purpose of me g- going out of town. I think that would stress me out. I wish I could though. Are you are you like planning what you're gonna do there the night before? Like planning like where you're gonna stay? Where uh, gonna oh oh no! I guess I have that all kind of worked out generally. Okay. If I'm traveling solo, 
I have that all worked out. Okay. And if I'm traveling with somebody, wow, I, I'm now realizing that I have two speeds, which is I'll do it all alone or I'll be there and they can make all the plans. <laughs> be a total passenger. Yes. Yeah. Which do you prefer? I mean, it's very nice to be a total passenger, but yeah, I'm never like, for the most part, I'm never like disappointed in the... I, I guess planning for someone else stresses me out. So I, I yeah. take immense relief and like I'm sort of if somebody else is planning the trip and they're deciding what they where they want to stay and what they want to do, that's comforting to me. So even if the things that they decide on are like the worst possible things to do and see. And yes, stay. I haven't. But it's for them. It yeah, I haven't had a ton of like, oh, this is the worst. I mean, Conversely, I have not had a ton of like, oh, my God, can you believe we're doing this sort of like I, I think often of like when they would uh, if you're familiar, which I'm sure you are, if you're agents of travel on the real world, they would usually surprise the housemates with a trip towards the end of their stay. And they would like jump up and down and be like, can you believe we're going to Peru and like hug each other and things like that? And I was always like, oh, I would be such a disappointing watch because I would be like, oh, Peru, that's that'll be neat. <laughs> You'd react to it the same way you reacted to our agent reveal. Yes. yes. Like, OK. okay. Oh, oh, sounds fun. Um, okay. uh, yes. So I've never. Yeah, I don't think I've ever said, like, I'm going to plan a trip for some people. The The closest to that is like I did Bonnaroo and. I also did Rock the Bells in Randall's Island in New York, but that was like Bonnaroo, you're camping and Randall's Island. My friend was like, we can stay with my grandma. So it was like <laughs> very low, low planning, low stakes sort of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're just going to Randall, Rand Randall's Island, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, watching some music and then going back to going grandma's back to grandma's house. house. It was perfect. That sounds grandma's so house. comforting. It was I great. Know. Do you? Do you like going for a long time or a short time? A long time, typically if I'm alone, mm -hmm. okay. and a short time <laughs> if you're with, if somebody, I'm with else. somebody else. <laughs> uh, I'm very <laughs> introverted, and I I think yeah. even that might be subjective. Of like the longest I've done is like three weeks, and that was with someone. The longest alone is probably like a week or something. So it's actually flipped, but. I guess I don't know then. I guess I don't know what three weeks by myself would be like. I haven't done it, so maybe I don't want to do it. You should try it. I I love it. I've I've gone on long trips alone, three weeks and longer, and it's great. I think it's really charming people who can be alone and not be lonely. Um, well, thank you. I'm definitely not that way. Like I like to be around. Like I'll think I want to be alone, and then two days will go by, and I'm like the most depressed I've ever been. Okay. So I can really, I really appreciate people who are able to be like, I am my own best company. <laughs> I mean, I definitely got lonely when I did it <laughs> real quick. But but Jake, do you feel like you'd be just happy? Would you want to meet other travelers while you're traveling alone? Or I am, I'm much more a sort of like people watcher. Yeah. It's sounding a little perhaps voyeuristic but it, i prefer that kind of like listening to the conversation of the yeah. travelers behind me on the plane or whatever as opposed to like having one of my own yeah. conversations 
I'm going to be I was just talking about. This. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two things. I'm going to say like, I don't picture you as being creepy for doing that. I actually see you as having like an old man's soul for mm. doing that. Like a little, <laughs> a sweet little putter uh, going around. Thank you. But th- you're so welcome. But Garrett and I were discussing this before and we, I think we had differing opinions, but Jake, are you more of a are you big into like touristy things or do you like to try to blend in more? Much, I think much more blending in or like this is going to, there's no way to say this without sounding gross, but like the sure. stuff that is like not high tourism, but sort of like, oh, a friend told me about this place. Yes. Or like, so it's like on a map, maybe like a landmark, but not the landmark kind of thing yeah mm-hmm. well, i mean what makes you what makes you feel gross saying that because i'm i'm team blended i'm team friend of a friend you know what's what's the cool place to see that the other people that the uh, other americans the other people from out of state whatever are missing i think <laughs> i the cool guy yes i think what what makes it feel gross is like I don't, I'm not so, I don't feel so empowered to just kind of like wander into a place and be like, what do you have here? Can I, like, can I order food or whatever? Like, yeah. but I don't go <laughs> like, oh, I've got to make sure yeah. I eat at this place or see this attraction. So it's like, I'm not so freewheeling that it's like, I'll just wander in here. Like, I. And see if they feed yes, me. Yes, and see if they feed me. I like how even with you. You describing both ends of the spectrum sounds like such a more brash person. <laughs> like both ends are like, where's the Eiffel Tower? I'm lost and I want pancakes. <laughs> like, yes. It seems like you see either as mortifying. In a way. Yeah. Yeah. I need somebody to be like, or like, I don't know if either of you have seen the documentary, I Like Killing Flies. It's, about I'm gonna forget the name of the restaurant but it's about this chef in New York City who ran this little like diner and the menu is like 30 pages and he won't cook the same thing twice in a day so once you get it that's it for the day like nobody else can get the chocolate chip pancakes or whatever uh he's very like eccentric (laughs) and there you can't seat more than four people like they won't go like if you have six it's like four of you will sit at this table and two of you will sit at a different table we're not pushing tables together or anything like that what was this in the market yes okay yeah yeah, yeah I, I, you I did once. yeah yeah and the guy is like you gotta have your order yeah ready yeah too. and i went yeah. to new york for a Del Close marathon and went out of my way by myself to go find this place and they had just moved to the market i think from where the documentary was shot. And I, so it was like, I saw this obscure documentary and was like, that's enough of like somebody talking about a thing for me to go see it. Yeah. It sounds like you're looking for almost like a personal connection rather than kind of like a broader connection to go and see. Yeah. uh, That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. I think so. Thank you so much. I will tell my manager you said Mm -hmm. that. Um, (laughs) So, Jake, do you enjoy traveling? It seems like there's a bit of anxiety attached to it, but I feel like you travel quite a bit. Yeah, I do really like to travel. I I like it a lot. I I would say let's I'm hopeful that I will return to a little bit more of relaxed 
eagerness to travel. I, I think yeah. the last year and a half has made me has reinforced my homebody tendencies. So like the traveling I've done in uh, as of recent, I have been like, I think both times I like shortened my trip by a day and was like, I'd like to go. I'd like to be home now. This is <laughs> this enough. This is enough. I miss my cat. <laughs> a lot of a lot of these interviews that we've been doing, it's it's been people kind of like, yes, I remember liking yeah. travel. I remember doing <laughs> this, liking doing this stuff. It's totally different right now, but there was a part of me two years ago. Yeah, yeah, and I do. I really, I do love it. I like, I like the whole aspect. I like having a bag with everything I need and want in it. I like the yeah. idea of like sitting at an airport with no expectations to get anything done. Yes. Mm-hmm. I really loved being on a train and like getting to sit in like the viewing car and just like watch the country go by. Yeah. It sounds almost like life gets simpler and slows down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are you a one bagger? I am a two bagger backpack and then like a carry on yeah. or whatever. And I fly Southwest, yeah. so I can check two bags for free, but I still like to keep it pretty small. Oh yeah. my gosh. Good shout out for Southwest. Mm-hmm. Do you get a lot of writing done on, on trains or airplanes or I have a theory that that's the best place to a train for sure. Absolutely. Train. Yeah. I always think I'm going to do writing on a plane and I don't really, but I do get no. quite a bit done wherever I'm staying for whatever reason watching TV or something in a like Airbnb or a hotel doesn't necessarily appeal to me, but I really like to write at either of those places. Unless it's one of those situations where you like, like I stayed in a cabin in Colorado and they had like an old big television and like four DVDs. And it was like, well, we'll be watching all these. That seems like fun. But otherwise, (laughs) I like the opportunity to like write at my destination yeah. or the train was great for that. So Jake, I have a theory that a lot of people's travel styles kind of are formed when they're younger. Do you have a favorite family trip from growing up? <laughs> well, and what made it your favorite? I don't I don't have a ton of memories of it, that's such an interesting theory because now I'm trying to go like, "Whoa, what did I like what did permeate me or uh, as like a child, I think my parents took me on like camping trips, but that was before I sort of was able to be like present. Yeah. Typically my, <laughs> my relationship to travel as a child was either I would go with my uncle and cousins during the summer, we would drive out to California to see my grandpa. So that was like being in the back of a Toyota Tercel hatchback Yes, passenger. Yeah. And then there were a handful of times where I would go see my grandpa and they would just put me on a plane by myself and then he would like pick me up at the airport or whatever. So those that's what I typically think about is like a road trip to California with not my immediate family, although I think I did that a couple of times or flying alone on the plane to visit my grandpa. So always to visit my grandpa's how I do. He's always the treasure at the end of the mm-hmm. journey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so fun uh, when you get to go on a plane by yourself as a kid. That's always really special. I remember the yeah. first time I went on a plane by myself, I was with my brother, but like the flight attendants become your like kind of like go-to people. And um, 
I insisted on sitting in the window seat and then I was so nervous. I had to go pee every like five minutes. So I felt so bad for the person in the aisle seat because I was just basically jostling back and forth over them like the whole flight oh. from yeah, San Francisco to Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, my sister and I would fly down to Orange County uh, you know, to, by ourselves to see our grandparents. One one time my sister was like, let's let's tell the people next to us that we're twins. We're like two and a half years different, but we convinced the person next to us that we're twins and we got away with something there. <laughs> Hell yeah. It was just like we we're on our own. We could try stuff. <laughs> yeah, out, you can like give it a shot. Lying to strangers. Yeah. That's I think if two people told me they were twins, I wouldn't question it. I would think it was I would question yeah, that would they were you? telling me, but I wouldn't be like, this seems I am always slightly cautious that I'm gonna get like duped. Uh so I would be yeah, I would think there was a larger scam at play, I think, if that happened. Do you are you <laughs> Are you kind of a, when you travel, is that like a, a caution that usually pervades your travels? Because for me, I, I too, like always kind of try to balance that line between being open to new experiences and wary of scams. Yes, a thousand percent. I remember being on a plane and a guy was like asking where I was going when I got off the plane. And he was like, I'm trying to get to Colorado Springs. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, don't say yes to anything. You're going to get. This guy's going to and it's <clears throat> it's totally irrational, but it was me yeah. being like and it's also like who buys a plane ticket and then tries to find a lone passenger to kidnap or whatever. Like, the, <laughs> uh, but when I went to India that with my sister, yeah, they there was a bunch of signs at the airport that were like, do not get into a car that doesn't have this sticker. And the sticker was like airport approved yes. taxi or whatever. And my sister was like the orphanage because we were going to pick up her adopted daughter. She was like, they sent a car for us. And the guy waiting for the thing had a little cardboard sign that said Michelle or whatever. But his car did not have that sticker. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, what do I do in this situation? <clears throat> and so I, yeah. what did you do? Well, I took a picture of the license plate. Okay, which smart. I didn't have service because we were in India, so it didn't really matter. Right. Okay. And uh -huh. then but you tried. It, I tried. And then it was in the evening and I just sat in the back of the car as we went. And this was my first time in India. So it was like I was not sure if these like dirt roads were par for the course yeah. or if we were being taken. Yeah. Taken. And I just yeah. went like, <laughs> either way, I'm going to feel silly. If it if it turns out this was fine and legitimate, which it was, I felt silly taking a picture of the dry the license plate and things like that. And if it turned out we were gonna get kidnapped or whatever, it was like, well, you got into a car without a sticker and you recognized it. Like what yeah. more of a yeah. like it was like either way, I was like, why do I feel like I'm do doing this wrong? I think that's like I feel that way a lot. Like I feel like especially as like an American, like I feel so apologetic everywhere I go because you feel like the big stinky person <laughs> in another country. Yeah. And so I feel I relate to that feeling of being like, am I overreacting to this? Am I just a Karen? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I feel like I actively fight it to the extent that I'll try to be in a more dangerous yeah. situation just to not be like that asshole who's overreacting. Yes. Where in India were you? Which airport? I mean, we must have flown into... 
We w- we stayed in Chennai. Oh, okay, so yes. the south. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz yeah, those those roads are like, you know, you, when you first get to India, you have to adjust to a, a way of driving that's different. I mean, I was only in the north. Did you drive? But, uh, yeah, it, not in India. I've driven in similarly crazy okay. places, but not in India. But like just but just being in like oh, a, a licensed taxi and it's just you know, there's no rules on the road. And so you just have to, I mean, they, they know what they're doing. Oh so, yeah. But it feels insane in the backseat. Yeah. They took us to like an outdoor market or whatever, and just drove through the crowd. I was like, <laughs> I could not believe it. I was like, I yeah. I would be, this would give me a difficult time walking through this crowd. And they were just driving a car through it. Uh, and I was like, yeah, Oh my, I was just, yeah, I, I, my sister and I did no mental preparation for that trip and it was, Mm. it definitely caught up with us. We had a day, we were in a hotel and, and everybody that we had talked to was always like, go, make sure you, if you're going anywhere, you go with a guide or get somebody to take you. And we were like, we're going to walk to this mall or whatever. And they were like, you, yeah, like it's. You're better off getting a guy. What kind of hotel? What kind of hotel was this? It was, I think, a a fairly nice hotel for like by comparison. So, uh, because I feel like the the people staying at that hotel, yeah, they they would only go outside with a guy. Yes, and my sister and I were like, we're gonna walk because she wanted to like get her son back home. She wanted to get him like a cricket ball, Uh, and we're like, we'll go find a place or whatever. And we made it maybe three blocks before we'd given all our money away to people asking for money. (laughs) And then we turned around and we were like, we're not, we don't have the backbone to do this. Uh, Oh no. It it was, uh, it was like, yeah, the moment we pulled out money to give to somebody, we were just like, they just like, we were just inundated with people asking, and my sister and I are have a hard time saying no. And we gave away all our money and went back to the hotel. And we were like, we'll get a driver to do that. We yeah. cannot. We won't make it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's also tough when, or I mean, relatively tough when I think like going to Europe is like one thing, but like when we went to Ethiopia, it was like very clear, like there was no blending in. Mm. Like it was very clear that like, yeah. You were not from there and you do in a sense like get your own gravity in that way where like you just draw a lot more attention than you're ever used to drawing in your life. And it's like it is like in comparison to what everybody else is going through, not a huge deal, but it is like it is a lot more draining than when you feel like you can kind of be a fly on the wall. Yes. Um, I often call it like I get like baby tired. Yeah. Which is like the idea of like. Oh, babies, like, there's no biological science behind this, but it's like, babies sleep a lot because they're, like, taking so much input or whatever, and it's like, and when you're in another country where you don't know the custom or the language or whatever, you're, like, you're reverted back to sort of, like, being a baby, just, like, observing and, like, taking everything in and all this stimulus that you are trying to make sense of. And I never sleep better than when I'm like uh, traveling abroad because I'm so tired at the end of the day. That's a perfect way of describing it. It's like where it's like (laughs) you get up at eight, you're out until like 11 a.m. and you're already exhausted. Yes. (laughs) Like you already need a nap. (laughs) I always love, I don't know about you, but I I feel like I, after about a week, 
that I feel more acclimated to a different mm-hmm. place then. And it's not as tiring. I still don't blend in, but yeah, I feel like I, I feel like I belong there a little more after like about a week. Do um, you, either of you have like immediate go-to things to sort of help with that transition process? Is there like something that you're like, oh, I'll do this immediately when I get to a place? Walk walk around and just be out and just jump into the deep end right away. I'll actually say like a superpower I have is that like I don't really get overwhelmed very much. Like I think it's because I'm not paying enough attention and I'm more like, where's the food at? What's our mission? We need to get to the hotel. Like I think maybe I naturally break things into really small steps. And so then I don't get as overwhelmed by like the grander thing of what's going on. But sometimes I'm like, am I numbing myself to my surroundings to be more comfortable? I don't Mm. know. But yeah, with like Ethiopia, I was like, okay, Rachel, it's going to, it's a good thing we have two weeks here because it's going to take you a week to adjust to like a totally different way of life, different, you know, pace of life. And she was in Ah. it way. I was like, boom. Where are the pastries at? We're fine. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, it was the ice cream. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We found a gelato place and I was pretty much locked in. <laughs> Adis is covered in oh, gelato Oh, I places. did not know it's that. It's great. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you have any tricks, Jake? That's such a like, I mean, I try and find a, a comfortable spot away from where I'm staying pretty quickly that I can like go for, I guess, nourishment. Like, uh, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. A coffee shop or a restaurant. I am sometimes like, you should try different places every day or whatever. But it's like nice for me to have like, I'll go here in the morning, like almost immediately building a routine in an otherwise totally unfamiliar place helps me feel like I have a a little bit of control of like, well, I can go here and get this. Yeah. And that's what's so great about coffee shops is like, I think almost anywhere you go, you'll find a coffee or tea mm-hmm. shop. Yeah. Yep. Anywhere in the world. So it's like, it's always a great home base. Exactly. Yes. So Jake, can you tell us about your best trip ever? Yeah. I I was trying to think like what I would define as my best trip. And I think that trip with my two friends to New York City for Rock the Bells, which is like I don't know, maybe a week or something. And it was New York and it's like, yeah, but that trip, I think it also had to do with like a time in my life and kind of like it was the appropriate amount of like freedom or liberation for where I was in my development, if that makes sense. So it's like, yeah, it was New York, but it was New York with two of my friends and we were going to see Rage Against the Machine And we stayed at my friend's grandma's house, but we did the, we like flew out there and we did the trip and we, his grandmother lives in like Long Island. So it was like, we had to take the train into the city and then we walked and like, I just have, it just went without a hitch the whole time. And I think hitches are great traveling, like to have that sort of unexpected thing, but it, and I might be just like trying to couch this because it's like, well, India, I we we went and I got my niece. It's hard to not say that that wasn't like the best trip in in terms of like overall. But that one, I think. No, no, but Rage Against yeah, the yeah, Machine. Yeah, yeah, Rage Against the Machine. Against, uh, yeah. And Wu-Tang Clan yeah. was well, okay. Well, your niece is going <laughs> to. Yeah. Yeah. Your niece is going to listen to this podcast and really yeah. hold yes, it against Yeah, yeah, you. yeah. Right. Uh, oh, too, mm-hmm. uh, that's too bad. I, I think I have the least 
it was just like a very simple, achievable trip. And I think it did a lot for me in terms of like enjoying travel. I could have seen a version of that that went poorly where it would have like, because I was like, it was two. 2007 so yeah i just graduated college and it was like i could have seen that turning me off to it like i never yeah i didn't study abroad i i didn't have an interest to do that and i think that trip as simple as it was and uh, it really made it like oh you should travel you should get out and do things yeah. and i think like yeah, it made it appealing in a way that I've continued to do it and continue to really enjoy it. And like, it was by no means, it was not the most educational trip or enlightening, but it did the most for me as a person to go like, yeah, there are reasons to go out and see places that aren't your home. This was the formative yeah. trip. Yeah. That, the gateway yeah. drug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I was the same way. I, um, my dad always really pushed us traveling. Like it was his dream that we would study abroad. And I was like really hesitant to do that. I think I was like, Portland is so awesome. Why would I ever need to leave here? And because I was pre-med, I was working on a Spanish degree. So I had to study abroad to get the degree. So I didn't even want to go. And I went to Chile for a summer and then was like, oh, I get it now. It's almost like you have to be forced into it. And I think almost it's the demystification of the process is what makes it feel possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I feel like for me, a lot of it was just the fear of like, not even the fear, just not knowing what to do and feeling like I couldn't figure it out, mm-hmm. even though it's not hard. But yeah, for me, that was a big obstacle for whatever reason. Yes. Yeah. I, I think part of the reason, I, I mean, I'm still in that place where like someone else plan it. Because if I think about it too much, I will get overwhelmed. And so mm-hmm. it is kind of like, I don't even know what that coping strategy is, but it is sort of like, it's a little bit of that that you read in self-help books about like the analogy of like your headlights show you three feet in front of you. And that's all you need is three feet in front of you to get Mm. to the next three feet in front of you to get you home. And Mm -hmm. so if I'm thinking too big picture, I don't want to get in the car. But if it's like, oh, I can say yes to this trip. I can pack my bags. I can... Take the time off. Yes. It's like the three feet in front of me that gets me figuratively and literally to the destination. Yeah. yeah. Don't turn on your breath. Yes. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's a mere fact. Yeah. That, that's how I had to do it when I, I took like my first like year off, year traveling. I just like kind of just, you know, like bought a plane ticket, a one way plane ticket and was just like, great. At this date, I have to you go to You did a airport. year? I did it, uh, yeah, about a year. Uh, and yeah, yeah, it was only the only way, because that was like my first time really doing anything like that. I'd traveled a little bit before that, but, you know, it was like my, I was about to turn 30 and I was like, I got to get, I got to do this, you know? Uh, and yeah, so that was like, uh, yeah, just one, you know, three feet, three That's feet, three That's incredible. Feet. I, before I turned 30, I bought a $25 milkshake and I was like, I got to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what is in a $25 milkshake? A whole Twinkie, Snickers, Butterfinger, 
So in New York, what were the, uh, you had a week there. Rock the Bells Correct. isn't a week long, right? What else were you doing um, while you were there? We like we did a lot of like walking around, just like seeing New York. Yeah. We went, yep. we didn't take the tour of the Statue of Liberty, but we went down, took photos. Did you do the Staten Island Ferry? That's the free, you know, you go we right by it. do the Staten Island the Ferry. I don't know. Oh, yeah, we should have done the Staten Island Ferry. We, we did like, I remember us like finding some weird sort of like Greek restaurant. Like this was one of the few times where I remember we just like walked into a place and Mm -hmm. we got like a classic New Yorker who was like, what do you guys want? And we were like, oh, we're like looking for something to eat. Can we get food here? And he's like, this looked like a restaurant. And it was like it it did. And he was like, so sit down. Uh, And we were like, "Okay," And like he just like gave us the hard time and like. We had a really nice meal there. Yeah. Did you find his attitude refreshing? Like, were you in any way yeah. like, I got to be like this guy? Or were you like shitting bricks the whole time? <laughs> I like, this is the true New York experience. Well, my friend's family is from New York and he lived there till he was five. So he was a little bit more like, I think, reassuring. So I didn't feel, I, I was like, why does everybody got to be an asshole about stuff? Like, uh... But now (laughs) I was like, I bet it would behoove me to live in a city like that for a little while because I'm highly, uh, one, introverted. And also I'm discovering like reactionary in the sense that like I'm constantly reacting to how other people are uh, acting and then like making sure that my reaction is uh, doesn't like ruffle their feathers. And I was like, it might be good for me to be in a city where people are like, it's going to take a little bit more to ruffle my feathers. Yeah. Um, so now I would be uh, appreciative of it. I think at the time it felt like its own sort of novelty. We ate outside yeah. at some like Italian restaurant where they like, same thing. We had like just your... In a way, like a very, like, I think they were like out of tables, but they like pulled one out and put a tablecloth down and we were like, and like drinking wine and, uh, and we were big snowboard and skateboard people growing up. So New York had like a DC shoes, like flagship store. So we made a trip (laughs) down there. We ate at his grandmother's house. We got White Castle. We did like the stuff that's like. Very guys who just graduated college want to do type of thing. Yes. Yeah. I was thinking you mentioning that nothing major went wrong on the trip. I also think that's like a compliment to who you were with, because I think if you're in good company, it doesn't really feel like things do go wrong. Yes. We had two close calls. We all fell asleep on the train back to Long Island mm-hmm. and <laughs> truly... Yep. So one of my friends woke us up and was like, we got to get off. And had he not woken us up, the train would have taken us like, I don't know New York that well, but it was like, oh, we would have, it was like three in the morning. We would have ended up (laughs) like so far away. Yeah. And, but I, I, I take that compliment and I'll take it personally. I think like my mom likes to travel with me because she says I'm a good company and my sister says the same thing and like the our my friends parents were always like is jake gonna be there like i'm not i'm not a super big risk taker so it probably bums people out a little bit but it is like we'll probably be fine because i'll (laughs) I'll like poo poo anything that seems too crazy 
So, Jake, what's the tastiest thing you've eaten abroad? God, that's I was trying to think like because I, I oh so his greatest trip is New York and then his tastiest thing is going to be the burger he had in Chicago. So I, <laughs> yeah. no, that's no, that's great. I mean, I I don't think you have to go far to really experience. You're a man of the people. Yeah. You like the people's food, the people's places. Uh, yeah. So the burger in Chicago at Ashavelle, I'm I, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. Ruled. Ooh, go into detail. What made it rule? Yeah. They, I, I normally don't like an egg on a burger, but they put a sunny side uh, egg on that burger. The it Like, okay. it was messy. It was like a knife and fork burger, which I also don't necessarily enjoy. Like, I like to be able to hold it. And it was just so rich. And so I was like, oh, it ruled. I, I would, and also it's like, oh, we've been on the road for a while. Like we sit down, we got this burger. It just kicked ass. the The other time that I should that I that came to mind is we. I once did a day trip down to Mexico to Baja. Um, we drove down and did a day of wine tasting at these wineries, these vineyards, and then we ate at this outdoor restaurant and. It mm-hmm. was like, I believe, like actually like their farm to their table. Like everything was just like grown and cooked and prepared. And that was truly I mean, I also had like four glasses of wine at the different yeah. vineyards and they had mezcal <laughs> on the like wine tour bus or whatever. So I was like saucy enough. But that was like, oh, this is yeah. a an incredible meal and b really great perspective for me to have because the only other time I'd been to Mexico was also like driving across the border and it was like to Tijuana and just kind of like like a silly like touristy trip or whatever so it was like really nice to like go down there and be like oh changing my perspective to just from just like matching like I went to Tijuana and I like got some knockoff stuff and we had like chips and salsa and some beer and it was like oh I went I had like this incredible outdoor meal at a vineyard and like lamb and it was awesome. Is food big for you when you travel? It is the biggest. It's all I like to do. <laughs> I just went b- back to Colorado for a week and yeah. I was kind of like, I wanted to go out to eat. And my mom was like, I don't really feel comfortable being in restaurants. So we like barbecued at home, which is really great. My mom cooks great food. But I was like, I like sitting down at a table with somebody I, I just love every part of that. I love not having to worry about like who's cooking, who's going to do the dishes, where are we going to sit, when every... I like knowing that like... I like compartmentalizing or whatever. And we ate at this restaurant in my hometown that's like new. And I was just like over the moon. I was just like, this is what I came to do. Like I really... My friends really showed their Colorado colors and I showed my LA colors. They ordered like... Coors at the bar and I was like Coors what are you doing uh and I but then I like got a Manhattan and they were like what are you doing uh and I got like a chocolate martini at the end of the night or whatever and it was just like they were like you this perfect you've changed truly um because you went down to Baja solely for that if I remember right you went down there solely for the meal yeah yeah amazing memory Thank you so much. If it's tied to food, I can remember. Yeah. It's a special talent I have. 
Um, That's a great memory. I've, I wasn't even going to mention that as my meal. And then I was like, oh my God, you went to Baja and I had a great time. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask if when you're in India, if you had eaten any of the food and if you enjoyed it, because yeah. that's a huge thing I want to do. But... I did. It was great. Really, really great food. Yeah. I could talk about food all oh, day. Me too. But I've got to ask this yeah. next question, which is mm-hmm. what tourist attraction lived up to the hype and which one didn't in your experience? The Grand Canyon. I know that's... Oh, nice. But I, yeah, yeah, the woman I was dating at the time was like, loved the Grand Canyon. And I was like, I don't think I've ever been. Who cares? We got out there. And my favorite thing to do is experience something through someone's eyes who has a deep appreciation for it. Like, I will Mm -hmm. watch a football game with someone who loves football or like, Anything that I could care less about on my own. So it helped to have her with me. But that was like, I I just came away with this, like such a deep appreciation and like sort of awe for the Grand Canyon in a way that I never would have otherwise. So a little of that is to her credit, I think. But that was one. Oh, and the Great Wall in China. Dang, uh, you've cool. seen the Great Wall? You've been all over the place, Jake. Yeah, I I like, yeah, climbed some stairs of the Great Wall with my sister's dad. And that was something that was like, yeah, I mean, it, it it's so funny. Those ones that live up to the hype are like, oh, right. <laughs> Duh, this is incredible. No wonder people are always talking about it. What portion of the Great Wall did you go I, on? Was it like one of the bigger like touristy spots or were you kind of off? Because I know there's, it's so, yes. you know, it's a great <laughs> wall. So there's like spots along the way where it's like less uh, Oh, this was, uh, this trip to China was a put together by the Long Beach Board of Tourism and the Chinese government uh, to be like, Look how a f- dream team, well, yeah, dream team. <laughs> Wait, what what were you doing on the board Long of tourism? Beach? I mean, are you gunning for our job? Uh, Interesting. Um, no, I I would never. But my mom's best friend lives in Long Beach or lived in Long Beach, and so she had heard about it, and it was basically this very cheap trip to China that the Chinese government sponsored to be like, look how efficient our government is. Come see it, and so. Long Beach. Long Beach. Uh, and then Long Beach was like, <laughs> we're pretty affluent. Well, uh, we've got people who are like, yeah, I'll go to China. So they like took us to like, we went to a green tea ceremony thing. Uh, n- like where they or farm. farm green tea farm, like silk farm and a factory, a jade factory. Oh, wow. wow. They just take you through all the distribution processes and then dump you out into a gift shop. And (laughs) we did it like every day. And it was like very fun, but it was also like, because it was this tourist group, I was just like in a little American bubble. Like it was like, I was with the same 15 or 25 Americans or whatever, but they took us to the great wall. And that actually was a great meal too. They had an optional day where you could, take a rickshaw and eat at someone's house. And that was oh my god, the least touristy That's thing. Awesome. And it was like this optional thing. And we did it. And it was just like a family welcomed us in and made us food. And we ate in their house. And that was like, I can't tell you, I don't re- remember at all what I ate. I'm sure I have pictures somewhere. But it was like, oh, this is incredible. Like the other stuff was very fun and cool. And yeah. My mom spent $700 on, she has one of those jade bracelets that 
will be on her till she dies. Yeah. Yes. And it like changes color. <laughs> Is she very proud of it? Uh-huh. She loves it. Uh, we bought silk yeah. comforters. Like we just ate it up with a spoon. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like China did exactly what they were hoping to yeah. do. You yeah, know? they knocked it out of the park. What what meal did you have at the I I house? can't remember. I, I want to say they were some okay. sort of like yeah. dumplings or something like that. It was great. It was the rest of the meals were in oh, giant yeah. banquet halls that could feed yes. 200 people. And it was us 40. It felt like we were constantly in like a shutdown hotel and they were just like, <laughs> here's your meals. And it was like, this is so weird. You just yeah. hear cutlery, the sound of it echoing off all the walls. That's kind of what it was. It was like, this is yeah. so strange. So Jake, love this enthusiasm. Channel it into the tourist attraction that did not land for yes. you. I was trying to... It's time to drag. Okay, time to drag. Bring it, bring down. it down. I, I mm-hmm. want to say like the tourist attraction that didn't really do it for me I mean, it might have been the Louvre, I, which is... All right, we're burning it down. We're burning down, uh, the, burning Louvre. down the Louvre tonight. And I, I really wish it had. I mean, I love art. I, I like, I for a while, it, that was like a big part of my life. But it is just, like, I just stood in a room with 40 other people taking pictures of the Mona Lisa or whatever. And I was like, yeah. Oh, th- yeah. this is, this is not how I... S- <laughs> how I'll appreciate the Mona Lisa. No, the Mona Lisa at the Louvre is like, yeah, that's one of the most underwhelming, overhyped kind of like experiences. But I feel like the rest of the Louvre, though, is pretty cool. Was the rest of it like not? Yeah, I definitely enjoyed parts of it. But I think it might be one of those expectations things of like low expectations about the Grand Canyon, low expectations about the Great Wall. Pretty high expectations about the Louvre. I just want to say, though, I'll take it a step further on the Louvre. I think it has too much art. I think <laughs> I think a building needs to have the right amount of stuff. Because when you go to the Louvre, there's so much art that it's hard to even like feel like you have time to enjoy anything. Yeah. Like you just start like walking through so fast just to be like, I need to like at least cover my eyes with each piece. I, I felt very overwhelmed. I, I I don't agree. I think there every city needs a museum that is too big to see in one day because it's for mm. the people that live there. Because mm. like when I lived in New York, I'd go to the Met and just you know you could it was a suggested donation of twenty dollars, but that was the suggested donation. So I'd give them a quarter and go in and just like okay. kill an hour go finding new stuff. You know, same with like the British Museum in London. You know, every time you go back. There's more of it you can see. Like if you go in, you can't go in thinking I'm going to fu- see it all. I see. Yeah. I, I'm i trying to think like my good friend John is like an art teacher, like an art professor. And so I've seen more art than I ever would have if he wasn't my friend. And so yes. he would take me to exhibits where it was like I had no idea what I was going to see. And that was such a tremendous experience where it's like, I can't remember the names of some of the artists, but one of them was like a room with mirrors, but the room was built at an angle. So like you would walk into it and you would feel like you had to like walk, like bent back, like doing the limbo or something to like level yourself out. And I was like, this is an incredible experience. Like, and so I think 
that has been such a high mark for me in terms or like there's that weird very weird museum in st louis have either of you been to that one yes i've i'm i want to take rachel to it soon uh, i used to live outside of st louis the city and museum that, it was like whoa this is so fun and cool like yeah. i think part of the lube for me I felt a little bit like when my high school English teacher was like, you're going to read Catch-22 now. And then it was like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'd rather read Chuck Palahniuk to get me into reading where it was like the Louvre was like, this is the best painting maybe that has ever been done or whatever. And you're a little like, okay. Uh, like, yeah, I don't know if I, I can't relate to this work. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if I have the palette for this yet. Like, give me like a fun slide. Uh, or whatever. <laughs> I think that's a great point, yeah. though, because I think we are often exposed to like the most sterile kind of like best version of something. And so yeah. then we almost wrongfully assume we don't like it because it's been our first encounter. Yeah. And then like you find out years later, like for me, it was like, even with reading, I was like, I think I hate reading because in grade school, they made us read like Summer of the Monkeys, Where the Red Fern Grows. Like there's no magic in anything we are reading. (laughs) And then I read Harry Potter and I was like, oh, there's magic in books. Like it changes your whole world, you know? Yeah. I mean, that was my biggest sort of like hill to die on when I was a teacher is I was like. I don't care what they're reading as long as they're reading. Because that was my experience, too. I was like, I hate reading. Like, uh, And my mom was a reading teacher, and I was just like, this stinks. And then I did. I read Choke by Chuck Palahniuk, and I was like, there are books about sex addicts? (laughs) (laughs) And then I... And you were in third grade? (laughs) And I was in third grade. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I just like was like, this is incredible. Uh, And then I became an avid reader and have since gone back and been like, oh, actually, I enjoy The Great Gatsby quite a bit. But when you're given it in when you're like in ninth grade, it's like I could care less. Jake, what has been your biggest fish out of water moment? I mean, it was probably Walking India. Chennai. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, yeah. was I it was just like oh yeah. And it was also, I think, around the time A, it was in two thousand eight. I was in Chennai for the presidential election of Barack Obama, which wow. was wild. But it was also, I think, around when Slumdog Millionaire came out. And oh, nice. Yeah. What a time to be yeah. there. <laughs> and it was like, wow, Slumdog Millionaire. You know, it was a, a real big I, and I might be distorting the term fish out of water. But watching that movie, it was like, wow, India, the slums. I mean, yikes. And then going and experiencing it, like going to an, an orphanage in Chennai was like, Jake, you don't have any clue what poverty is. Like it was, yeah. I, I mean, I it really did sort of like psychologically mess me up for a while. Like I was like, because at the time I had, I had just finished doing AmeriCorps and that had me working with uh, youth on probation. And so I was going into their homes and they lived in low income neighborhoods in San Diego. And every step of the way, like, because I grew up in a small town in Colorado and I was like, I know what poor is. I'm poor. Like all my friends have more money than me. And then I moved to San Diego and got that job. And I was like, oh, that's actually, I was not poor, not by a lot. Like I've been in 
homes and seen families that are like really struggling. I was like, now I understand it. Uh, a very, uh, a very classic, like I just got my bachelor's degree. I think I know how the world works type of thing. Um, <laughs> and then I went to Chennai and uh, again was like, Oh, I had no clue uh, what it was like. And without the guide, uh, we would have been totally yeah. lost, like unable to get anything done. And we had to go mm -hmm. to like, the embassy and we went up the Taj Mahal actually lived up to the I missed I, the I, Taj, like, I was like, close to it and I didn't go and I regret it it was great but we also went yeah. to a temple uh like you know like uh this is where you should go sort of thing that yeah. was even more incredible that was like just carved out of wood yeah. and there's actually a really great Indian community uh, here in California that Farley took me to that has a temple that blew my mind. But yeah, Chennai was just a place that I was like, oh, I, yeah. every day I'm sort of being exposed to the, a way of living that I did, didn't even register yeah. for me. Mm -hmm. uh, that was probably the biggest fish out of water uh, experience. I also was in a strip club in San Diego once and didn't understand the different tipping rules that San Diego has as opposed to Denver. And the dancer got uh, very mad at me and my friends and found the bouncer and we got really, we got in a lot of trouble. So that might also count. What was the tipping yeah, rule? Yeah, what was the tipping rule? Well, very different fish out of water situation. In Denver, our experience was like, if <laughs> this is undermining everything I was just trying to be like thoughtful and cultural about is like, well, in yeah. Denver, when I would go pay money to see women take their clothes off. <laughs> if you put a dollar on the stage, they would come over and sort of give you a little personal attention and take the dollar or ask you to put the dollar in their uh, attire. So we went to San Diego when we were like 18 or 19 and we went to a strip club and we put dollars on the stage and the dancer didn't come around and get them. We looked around and nobody else had put dollars yeah. on the stage or whatever. And so we, so my friend took the dollars off the stage. He was like, I don't think that's how it works here. And then we were like, maybe she didn't see him. So we put the dollars back up on the stage and she still didn't come around. And he took the dollars off again. He's like, he's like, you're embarrassing me. Like, we don't know what we're doing. And he threw them back at us. And then the song ended. And she was like, as she was leaving, she said something like, you cheap motherfuckers or whatever. And we were like, what? And we were like, what happened? What do we do? And we like got up and went to the back to like try and ask somebody or figure out. And yeah. we came upon her talking to the bouncer. And she was like, these are the three fucking assholes right here. And he and the bouncer was like, Hey, if you guys don't have the money to be here, get the fuck out of here or whatever. You don't get to pull that shit. And we were like, what? And they were like, you kept putting money on the stage and taking it off. And we were like, oh, we thought she would take it. And they were like, they take the money at the end of the night, I guess, or at the end of the song. Uh-huh. But <laughs> we didn't know that. And I guess everybody else was just not putting money on the stage. I don't really know. And we were like, oh, my God, we're so sorry. Uh, and we, like, gave them all our money or whatever. And was just like, yeah. we're so... Sorry. And it was like at one of those movie things where it's like, how much to like forget this ever happened? And it was like a 20. <laughs> oh, and no. They were like, uh, not quite. And it was like 40. Um, really? Yeah. I think we probably gave her so much money. Oh, my God. But it was truly a thing of like three idiots. <laughs> 
That is so funny. I also feel like the dichotomy between those two stories like sums you up in a nutshell. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, because <laughs> you're one of the most like sensitive, empathetic, thoughtful people I know, but you also want to spend your birthday at Saddle Ridge yes. and jump. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Um, so it all checks out. <laughs> a similar road trip to California. This is very quick, but fish out of water. Yeah. We went to. We like bounced around a few places, me and my friend John. The first day we got to California, we went to the beach and he went in the ocean with his phone. And this is like, <laughs> this is like 2002 or 2001. So it was just like, your phone's dead or whatever. And so then yeah. Yeah. we had to call, we used my phone to call his parents and be like, I, he was like, I went in the ocean with my phone, it was in my pocket. <laughs> If you need to get a hold of me, call Jake. And they were like, you idiots. Like we were like 17 and 18 and our parents must have been like, they'll be fine. And then no exaggeration. The next day we went to the beach and I ran into the water and I I was in the water and then I went, oh, no, my phone. And then a big wave came (laughs) and hit me, soaked my phone, broke that one. So then we had to find a landline and call. My parents would be like, you can't get a hold of us. And then we had to call John's parents and be like, you actually can't call Jake's phone either. He went in the water with it. And they were like, they were just like, please make it home in one piece. Like, yeah. uh, you guys. And that's when John's parents were like, Jake, you were supposed to be the reliable one. That's why we sent him with you. Rachel, I, I'm pretty sure they said that. They were like. Well, if Jake's going into the water with his phone, like you guys have, you don't stand a chance. It was like two days at the ocean and we were just like, wee. Uh, uh, yeah. You lost your goddamn mind. Yeah. Yeah. Was this on the same trip that you guys went to the strip uh, club Different trip. We, we went back a year later and then did it again. You yeah. and John, you guys get up to a lot of stuff together. If you grow up in Colorado, you never really experienced the ocean. Yeah. How are you supposed to know that the ocean <laughs> water will ruin your phone? Yeah. How are you supposed to know to take how stuff you out of your phone? pockets um it's honestly like dogs licking up salt water for the yeah, first time exactly yeah <laughs> it was his grandma in new york too uh, well oh can i circle back i want to ask one more thing i already know we're running long but you mentioned that you had a dinner at her house how was ooh. it was she a good cook she was great i don't necessarily remember what I, she cooked but i do remember that she was like 85 and living alone and still driving and i watched her catch a fly Whoa. in midair like we were at the dinner table and there was a fly and she was just like, and we were all like, holy shit. God, those are the kind of women I aspire to be. Fantastic. I just so cool. Oh, we also went to Bloomingdale's because her husband lost, worked for Bloomingdale's and lost his arm in a train accident. And part of the settlement was that him and his wife would get something like 75% off Bloomingdale's for the rest of their lives. So, oh my what? God. <laughs> uh, John's grandma took us to Bloomingdale's and we just uh, stocked up. It's like, it was like one of those deals where they like blew off a leather book and was like, they're like, oh, we don't do this anymore. Like it was a crazy sort of like grandfathered in Oh thing. my God. Jick, if you could step into any moment from your travels, anytime you wished, which quintessential perfect moment would you pick? This is not really the answer you're looking for, but I'm going to give it. Okay. Well, this is not quintessential perfect moment. When my sister and I went to get my niece, she got a fever on the plane back to America. And 
uh, my sister was like freaked out and I was asleep. <laughs> and if I could go back, I would go back and not be asleep. <laughs> so you're going to trade your perfect moment to instead rewrite yes. the past. Yeah. And be a History. more supportive yeah. brother instead of somebody who is tired from all the travel and also tends to like get sleepy when they're stressed out or anxious. I would have been awake <laughs> to provide, I guess, moral support. I mean, there wasn't much to do. Mm hmm. Uh, that's yeah. the thing that comes to mind. For me. That is so funny. I'm also, uh, I also sleep when I'm stressed out. I so get I it. just go right to bed. Yeah, yeah. Like I will sleep on it and odds are it will have solved itself. Mm -hmm. What did you think it was going to be? I don't want to make you sad, but I thought you were, I thought you might pick seeing your grandpa at the end of one of those oh, flights. Oh, that's a really nice one. Yeah, I guess if I could do like a... <laughs> I get yeah, a trip to San Diego's still a trip. That would be great. He was yeah. He's was not the best uh farewell or I remember him taking me to the airport after one of those trips and he was like, "All right, well, see you later." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> uh and I remember like He's not one for a long goodbye. No, and I remember talking to my dad. I was like, I was like really sad and grandpa was just like, "Bye-bye." <laughs> So that see a loser, <laughs> see a loser. Yeah. Um, but you know, you're right. Uh, when I would come to stay with him, he would do this thing where he would get robes and slippers, and he would write your initials on it or iron them on with little felt letters. And so, like, there would be a thing, or like, there'd be a little tin with cookies, and it would say like for Jake or whatever. Oh, he'd make it a little <laughs> hotel for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little spa. So that. You're right. <laughs> I take it back. I wouldn't uh, be a better brother. I just go have a nice okay. time. With Fuck my your sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think uh -huh. I think that's something that's so nice that I know this is about traveling, but for people traveling to you, those little tiny personal touches, yeah, or like little sense of playfulness, mm -hmm. is like the best thing ever. Like once I yeah. visited my friends Sarah and Spencer in L.A. And I knew Spencer from Improv. And when I showed up at his house, he was dressed in all of this post-apocalyptic clothing. And he's like, hurry, quick, get in the house, quick. And so we were like, oh, okay. So we brought all our stuff into the house. And he like slammed down the blinds and he locked the door. And he was he threw bread at us. He's like, here's some stale bread. We can stay here for a little while, but I don't know how long we're going to last. And he went on with this for like 10 minutes and then finally stopped and was like, hey, how's it going? So glad you're here. That's amazing. <laughs> it was yeah, awesome and so batshit and random, but it's just like. Because then he just wanted to like, he didn't know how to I think he just you. felt awkward about it. So he did this whole production instead. Yeah, and zombie thought it, apocalypse He thought it would be less awkward. I'm just like so tickled when anyone puts any effort into anything that isn't productive or doesn't yeah. really matter. Because those are the things that really do matter and are very special. I, yeah, I'm going to remember that. Uh, I keep trying to get people to come visit me from Colorado. But I, when I was in London, we stayed with like a friend of my sister's and they put in my room and my mom's room like a little gift basket with like, I still have it, like a mug with the British flag and there were little tea bags and like nail oh. clipper. And it was like a little like toiletry kit or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. 
That's so sweet. Uh, Jake, is there a local custom you've observed while traveling that you've implemented or wish you'd implemented in your daily life? Say, leaving dollars on the stage for... <laughs> for strippers? <laughs> yeah, I have implemented that. I have figured that out. So one is... Both are from Argentina. You went to Argentina uh, as well? Yeah. Have yeah, you know. been to like, like every we're... continent? <laughs> oh, I haven't been to Australia. But yeah, I, I'm very fortunate in my travels. So a cortado, I will now get if any coffee shop has it, which is something I picked up Hell in yeah. Argentina. And the yeah. other one that I will presumably... If I get, I went there because my cousin was getting married in Argentina. And so I went to an Argentinian wedding. That is the kind of wedding I will have if I ever get married. It was, we ate and then they were like, okay, time for the dance, which feels like a traditional wedding experience, at least in my experience. And then yeah. after we danced for a little while, they were like, okay, now we eat again. And they brought up more food. <laughs> and then I, I, I was like, whoa, great. <laughs> and then after that, they're like, all right, and now we dance again. And I was like, what? And then this happened like three <laughs> times. I've never eaten so much food in my life. They're known for their steaks, obviously. There was tons of food. We kept dancing. And then after about three or four rounds of that, they went, and now time for carnival. And they brought out, they turned off the lights and everybody had glow sticks and masks and like feathered boas and they threw a dance party. I heard until, they do it until the morning and then they do breakfast. We left because we were tired, yeah. but I was like, I was like, man, if yeah. anybody from Argentina goes to like an American wedding, they must be like, this is the most boring shit I've ever been to. Like, I was like, this is how you do every wedding. This is so like we left at three in the morning and they were still doing carnival uh and they were like we're gonna have <laughs> breakfast at six or seven or whatever and i was like well, i don't have the energy for that but i will absolutely push for this kind of wedding this is the most fun i have ever had and eaten it was so great oh man and at that point too you're just dancing to be able to eat <laughs> and then eating to be able to it dance. really was <laughs> Yeah, it was just like, oh, I'm in some sort of closed loop. It was oh my so gosh. awesome. And just this, I'm sure the surprise of the first time they bring out more food, even you telling it was so yeah. thrilling. It was, <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? More food? And it was like, they they did that, like they cooked all the meat over an open, like big fire that you could watch. Well, so my question, by the time Carnival rolled around, was everybody... Like just stuffed. They like how do you dance when you're that? The Americans old? were. We were stuffed and tired. But there was like okay. a table that I think was like the groomsmen or whatever, and they also had a chant they would do. And if they said your name in the chant, you had to drink like whiskey or. And I was like, they kept going uh, again. I was like, they must be so bored at an American wedding, and also think we are so soft because we were like. It's like three in the morning. This is the latest I've ever been up eating and dancing. I need to go home. And they were like, you're leaving. Yeah. You're not even, we're not even halfway done or whatever. And it was like, I can't do this. I too am so ashamed by my lack of ability to party. Yeah. Like I get tired by 10 and there's just no reviving. Yeah. I always want to party. When I go to countries that party late, I'm always like, I'm going to do one night, one night. Where I party late with everybody. And Once we, when we were it. staying in Berlin, we had an Airbnb where the host was also in the apartment unit. And Garrett and I were traveling with a friend yeah. and we were out all day. We we're home by 10. Our host was just leaving to start her night when we turned in. 
No. Was it one in the morning? It, it was, yeah, it was one in the morning, and we were so proud of ourselves uh, for staying out late. That's and our wild. host was leaving yeah. as we were coming in. We were like, we did it. We did a Berlin night. We're, we're fucking cool. Out till one. And then not so. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, Jake, we before we tabulate our trips okay. for you, we have a lightning round. So we're just going to ask you a bunch of questions, just real quick. The first thing, the first, the first answer okay. you have, it's either or question. First question, Jake, beach or mountains? Uh, beach. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Hot or cold? Hot. City or country? Uh, uh, city. Beer or wine? Wine. History or scene? <laughs> scene. Clubs or cafes? Cafes. Early bird or night owl? Early bird. <laughs> that, so that painful. Little, oh, I know. Fancy or casual? Casual. Fast or slow? Slow. Dogs or cats or cows or monkeys? <laughs> cows. No. <laughs> cows. Wow. That's a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. Did you? What, I mean, what, what's the cats, no? What, right? what, what would you? Cat, cat. I don't know why I said cow. Dang, cat. lemons like <laughs> pissed now. I know your cat is mad. Oh, you want me to be a cow? She literally just got into my lap. I think she was like, "God, all right." She's forgiven you already. Yeah. Okay, so okay. now we're gonna. Uh... We're each going to present you with a dream vacation, and Jake, be honest. Pick. Whichever one sounds most appealing. And uh, if neither of them are, feel free to say, uh, you know, I'd rather do my own thing. Okay. And um, this has nothing to okay. do with how much you like either of us. Uh-huh. I've got one. Let's see. Okay. So, Jake, here's what I'll set you up with. Okay? Okay. I'm going to put you set you up with two weeks in Japan. Okay. And the first week in Tokyo. Okay. And then uh, you'll see Kyoto, Osaka, uh, Nara, and perhaps Hiroshima. Okay. But, you know, uh, just uh, the second week, just a few stops. Uh, maybe uh, Nagoya. Well, you know, uh, just but just like two to three cities that you'll get to choose from uh, in the second week. So it's not too fast of a pace. But Tokyo itself, have you been to Tokyo? No. Okay. It's a huge, sprawling city. There's so much to see. I'm going to send you with uh, a friend of mine okay who loves japan he's been on this podcast kevin rigg he works with me he is a huge japan fan okay and uh, you won't spend your whole time with him you're gonna spend just the first three days with him and see uh, japan through his eyes uh he he loves to kind of go down the alleyways meet people go to uh, all the little uh the alleyways are just full of uh, yak yakitori stalls, which are chicken skewers, ramen bar, you know, ramen bars. And the ramen, uh, the way you order a lot at a lot of these places, you just put your money in a vending machine, and it spits out a ticket. Once you choose what you want, which one you want, and then you just take that up, and they give you the bowl. Uh, so you, it's very like simple, easy to order the ramen. So you'll spend three days with him up top. It, you you won't be staying together. I'm going to put you up in a uh, a hotel with a great view okay. of the whole city. So looking out on the city near that hotel is uh, one of the great uh, Japanese coffee shops. Oh, okay. Uh, for you to kind of go every day to kind of center yourself. Uh, one of the great things about Japanese 
coffee shops, some of them, some of the the older ones can sit down and they'll prepare the coffee like two, three, four, five different ways. And it's kind of more of an experience in this kind of old wooden kind of cafe with a, a single bar. And the person's just making you the coffee a bunch of different ways and you try it. It's a very kind of like centering experience there, getting your coffee in the morning. And then, yeah, you'll you'll take the train, the bullet train Ooh. to Kyoto, which is it's a very touristy city, but it's rightfully so. It's a beautiful city. It's an old city. Just when you see all the temples in Japan, often in Kyoto, uh, you can get up to Nagoya, up into the mountains. And the whole thing, the whole time you'll be eating just amazing food everywhere. Okay. All, especially in Tokyo. Do you like sushi? Yes, I do. Sushi is everywhere, and it's all amazing sushi. I'm going to send you to Tsukiji, which is the, the fish market. Ooh. Since you are sort of an early bird, uh, you have to get there right at 6. Okay. And it's all because that's when the fish, uh, 6 or early, early, earlier than I have ever been able to get up to <laughs> Okay. Um. <laughs> But it's uh, all the fishing boats come in and it's all the restaurants purchasing fish, but also there's stalls right there making it into sushi right there, fresh out of the water. The freshest, best sushi you'll ever have. And then, as I said before, the ramen, the yakitori, the izakayas, which are uh, like tapas bars. It's like drinking snacks, bar places. Just alleyways are just full of these little places to eat. Also in Tokyo, it's a big bustling city, but there's always, it, it feels like there's always like a little moment of calm and peace. You, you'll turn a corner, you'll go down an alleyway, and suddenly there's like a little a garden with a heron sitting in the pond and just like some salaryman just sitting there watching it, drinking a coffee. You turn the next corner and it's just, you know, a busy, the busiest street you've Ooh, ever seen. Okay. So there's places to get away. And there's people to watch everywhere. Uh, and then we'll send you to Harajuku. You can see just the cutting edge of fashion. Oh. And then at the end of it, there's a place where, uh, what's that, Billy? The, the, the music, like where everybody is like Elvis. Rockabilly. <laughs> Rockabilly. Oh. So uh, there's like the Tokyo Rockabilly guys hanging out at the station there. Right at Harajuku, great people watching, and then there's a temple, peace and quiet. Wow. Uh, so yeah, that's your two weeks in Japan. Okay. Here is option two. I'm, I've put together for you a ten day va- a ten day vacation to Chile. Ooh. And the reason why I chose this for you is because I want you to go to the beautiful Viña del Mar. So Chile has a rich agricultural valley known for its wine. So you can do a bunch of wine tasting and stay at a five-star hotel that has the most glamorous buffet you can imagine. We're talking dessert for breakfast, all sorts of barbecued grilled meats. Yum, yum, yum. (laughs) And then, um, so I think for this, I want Farley to enjoy the experience with you. So he'll be there part of the time, but you'll also be traveling alone the other part of the time with moments for you to practice having a little more agency, because that's something we're working on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Chile is amazing because you have mountains and the beach. It's a place where you can surf and ski in the same day. 
and you have the beautiful Andes Mountains. And I'd really love for you to go to Valparaiso, which is kind of like the Chilean version of San Francisco. It's got a lot of outdoor. Yes, it's amazing. It's got a lot of outdoor street art. And you can go and visit Pablo Neruda's, one of his houses, which is very cool. I'd also like for you to go to Chiloe, which is this small island where all the houses are on stilts. And it's known for its Chilean mythology and still feels like it has elements of like folklore and magic ingrained to the place. In Santiago, you'll also go to Escarcha, where the guy, it's a bakery where the guy will always give you raspberry juice complimentary. And they have a bunch of manjar cookies. And manjar is like this delicious caramel that they truly just put in every dessert. So you can get sugar rushed on that because I know you have a sweet tooth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, you're going to have lunch with someone's grandma <laughs> oh. <laughs> and she's going to be really charming, really on top of her stuff. Oh, wow. She, you know, she'll be in her nineties, still kicking a reminder that you can have a life well lived the whole way through. Um, so that's the Chilean vacation wow. I'm offering. Okay. So. I know this is a dumb question, but I'm picking the one that is sounds like most like my ideal trip or the one I would go on. If we're booking it today, you would pick yes. this one. Which one which one would you say yes to? Say if we had the money to actually put send you on this trip, which someday we may, we we might. Which one would you say yes to? This is really tough. We're both good at our jobs. You're both very good at your jobs. This is really tough. And I know that there are no stakes. Well, our promotion is at <laughs> I mean, stake, so. Yes, right. Yeah. If we get promoted, uh, we might get us, paid. One of us, yeah. One of us might get a shout out at the all hands meeting. Oh, okay. So. Well, here's, here's my answer. I did pick one. It also comes with this caveat, which I know is less fun. The Chilean trip is the thing that I would... I, in my mind, would see myself doing, and I really want to go with Farley, but I think it's healthier if I go to Japan. So you're making a responsible choice for your dream trip? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Explain, explain. I mean, explain why Japan is the superior trip. (laughs) Well, Chile, everything in that Chilean trip, I know neither one of you are going to be happy with this, but the Chilean trip speaks more to me and is something that I would see me putting together, especially with Farley. It just feels like all the things uh, that I'm like, yes, that sounds great. I could see that happening. But if we're booking a trip that I don't have to think about, the the Japan one feels sort of outside. It feels beyond my blinders in a way that's like, oh, I should probably in the spirit of it's something you would need a genie to make happen for you in a way right and in the spirit of the new york trip going off without a hitch and getting me excited about travel this uh japan trip feels like one that would be like getting me excited about the idea of something that feels more outside uh my comfort zone so i think based on you know, doing your research, Rachel might have been more accurate, 
But Garrett's trip got to the heart of who you are um, or who I'm trying to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. But th th that's the heart of who you are. You're constantly trying to push yourself and push yourself to be who you want Don't to be. Don't flatter, yes. Jake. I, my, you know, my trip is who Jake is and your trip is who Jake wants to be, you know? Yes. But that's who Jake is, is <laughs> who he wants to be. He's somebody who wants to keep growing and pushing. Mm -hmm. That is who he is. Yeah. I mean, you almost cinched it just with having Farley come along. <laughs> well, that, I'm which gonna, is like, I'm going to have to tell him. I'm you with a stranger no. to you. I'm going to have to tell him. I he know. said no. He's going to be devastated. I know he really will be. And I, with all the places he's taken me, I feel truly bad about it. Uh, hypothetically horrible I'm, about it. I, hypothetically yeah. horrible about it. But I am working on my codependency. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, the mm -hmm. Japan trip feels like one that would force me out of that a little bit. Whereas the Chilean one feels like, yeah, that's me to a T. Mm -hmm. So. That's the answer. Um, well, I don't like it, but I have to accept it because I'm a professional. So <laughs> good, good, yeah. good. And Rachel, you've already used the Chilean trip before, and yeah. you you won. With I did. That one, I did. I think so. it's hard because Chile just genuinely has so much to offer. Yeah, I mean, you sold me on it. You sold me on it. But if somebody's planning a trip for me. Mm -hmm. Japan feels outside of my depths, so I, I yeah. would have to seize that opportunity. No, I respect it. Uh, thank you so much for doing this, Jake. Fantastic. This is so fun. This was so nice. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Jake. And that was Jake Jabor. What, I mean, what a fun episode. What a, uh, like, it perfect from start to finish. He's dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> Never talking to Jake again. Well, see, you know Jake very well, and I know how to help him expand himself. Because his, his book, Training to Be Myself, you know, it's all about uh, pushing yourself beyond your comfort zones. Do you know that? I, have you read it? I don't have it yet. We we both got uh, ordered it hard copy and it's been like a year or two and it hasn't shown up. We should really buy it from we the store. We should buy it from the store. Because I've heard amazing things I've heard about amazing it. Things and too. I've read Jake's writing on Substack. And mm -hmm. it's he's it's clear he would write a very good, empathetic, meaningful book. But I know as soon as I read it, I'll be like, this is why I won. This is okay. why it's now three to one. Okay. Uh, you can follow Jake on you know, all the places... On both Instagram and Twitter, he's Wake Up with Jacob. That's uh, Wake Up with Jacob, all one word. Yeah, you should also buy his book, buy Training his book. to Be Myself. You can buy it anywhere. And you can also take classes with Jake at We Improv. And the website for that. Oh, okay. Oh, yep. The website for that is We Improv. Just, .org. You just can't resist the urge to interrupt me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. When we were listening back to this podcast, I realized. I interrupt Jake a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I interrupt Garrett a lot, too. <laughs> it's my right as a woman. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. When I do it, it's... It's just, violence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we'll see you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We love you all. Talk uh, to you soon. Oh, what? Do we want to ask people to, like, like and subscribe oh, yeah. or anything like that? Or I mean, I hope you guys are doing that. 
Leave us a review, I guess. Leave us a review, five stars. Really notice hard on these intros and outros. Yes. Because I think that's where we can really improve. Oh, I don't know. I think we're nailing the intros and outros. Yeah. Really fluid. Really fluid, concise. All right. Funny. All right. All right. Rate us, follow us, love us, please. Please. (laughs) Please. All right. Bye. Bye.